Lifeology, the guide to a happier life with Susie Mack and relationship counsellor Valerie Ellis. It's so nice to be back with you this week with Lifeology, our weekly series talking about everything from relationships to love to friendship and just how we're getting on in the world with our journey through it. Thanks very much to Valerie for coming in again and having our chats. Hello, I missed Susie. you since last week. I know. You're so much fun to be with. Oh, thank you. Really. So Valerie, can you introduce yourself so all the listeners know exactly who you are? Well, I'm Valerie Ellis is my full name. There's a website if you want to know more, if you're so entertained. You just can't bear to be without me. You need to know more. So that's uh, veryvalerieellis.com. I grew up in Surrey and I emigrated and lived in Australia for the last few decades and have worked as a therapist for 20 years. And now I'm back in Surrey. I moved back to England last year. And I'm trying to settle in. Well, you're doing a good job. By the so looks far, far. So far. Well, lovely to have you with us. I'm Thank Susie you. Mack. I do. I present a show on Brooklyn's Radio every Thursday from two to four. And Valerie and I got together because we. I had Valerie on as a guest spot on the show every week. Um, and then we just thought, do you know what? We need a bit more time. We need we're, a bit more time too to chatty talk. for ten minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, this series of podcasts will be kind of, um, and, and this show will be looking at relationships in general. Um, not just kind of love and, and, and kind of that kind of relationship, but yeah. it's everything and how... It is. We're always relating to something, aren't we? We're related to each other, to ourselves, to the world around us. So life is very much about how we relate to it, how we interface with the world around us. That's right. And kind of on mm. a daily basis. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's nice to actually talk about certain things that may also help. Mm. So one of the topics we're going to talk about today, if you'd like to introduce Valerie, is, is all about kind of negativity. Yes. Ne- I want to... I want to say that negativity is a luxury that you can't afford. Right. It's a luxury you cannot afford. What mm. do you mean by that? Well, I was, I was, as well as doing therapy, classic sort of relationship counselling, I actually also do a, a painting class and uh, it's called Creative and Calm. So it's painting and, and using it as an opportunity for self-reflection. And um, one of the attendees this week came in and she was very, very flustered uh, partly because she was late and and how she was going in the class learning to paint wasn't going as well as she wanted and I was watching her get more and more and more upset winding herself up and I said to her can I do I am I right in thinking that you're criticizing yourself sitting there well it's not very good it's terrible I'm not very good at this and I said I'm watching you sabotaging your success. You've come here to... For a reflective, quiet, calm class. Yeah, to, to learn to paint. Yeah. And by telling yourself how terrible this is, you are reducing the likelihood of you, your own success. And so your enjoyment. I sympathise that it's not going as well as you like, but how you're handling that is making it worse, not better. Do you think, I mean, I know, probably can can tell, you know, off the top of my head, a good few people that, that are negative around. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's it's situational negativity. Maybe mm-hmm. it's all mm-hmm. the traffic and, yeah. and then it goes. But then sometimes it's kind of like anxiety. It's a low level of negativity all the time. All the time. And that's when it can be quite draining on other people. Oh, it is. It's, it really wears you down Mm. and I grew up with a family who just loved that kind of thing like I've said my if if negativity and complaining was a sport at the Olympics my grandmother would have won a medal for England I'm not kidding she She loved them all she 
loved, I mean, li- really loved to complain. But you know, I know that sounds weird, but in a way, sometimes having a moan, or is negativity different from moaning? I don't know. But having a moan about something is quite enjoyable too. Well, what's the point here? This is the thing. So if I've been in traffic and it's stressful when I'm tense, me complaining to relieve the tension in order to move on mm-hmm. and be happy is one thing. So if my goal is to be happy and a small complaint relieves tension to get me to happiness, fine. And I'm very aware of what that looks like in other people. People just need a quick burst and they're on to being happy. For some people, the goal is unhappiness. The Mm -hmm. goal is um, to stay unhappy, as strange as that sounds. And just let's clarify what negativity is because yeah. it's sort of a bit of a buzz thing and, and um, it's easy to sort of ignore it. So, so I'm going to say it's focusing on the problem instead of the solution, on the flaws instead of the successes. So there are problems everywhere, but they have solutions. There are flaws in everything, but everything, you, t- typically things also have successes or qualities to them that you could focus on. So it's the where you put your focus. Is it also kind of, you know, people talk about the brain being a muscle and if you're negative all the time, it's almost, has it got a kind of um, effect on the brain? You know, you feel like, well, you almost become habitually Absolutely. negative. Absolutely. And this is what I mean when I say it's a luxury you can't afford. This will become a lifestyle eventually. So Roughly speaking, people can think about their brain as having three layers, um, like an onion with three layers, if you like. So at the very, very core of the brain is um, the most ancient part. So that deals with things like respiration, digestion, territoriality, aggression, sex, um, and what people understand as the flight or fight response so uh-huh. it's it's very much a primal thing like babies are controlled by this part when we get aggressive this primal core part is activated then on top of that you have a second layer that's very geared to dealing with relationships mm-hmm. so human lives in humans live in very complex social relationships so we have a large part of the brain that deals with looking at people's faces creating language understanding empathy relationships loyalty things like that and then at the top of the brain, the very thinnest part of the brain is the cognitive part, the thinking part, the logical part, the fair part, the creative part, the highest part. When you complain, you are activating that primal part of the brain. Wow. When you complain, you are looking for problems, you are looking for um, the flaws in things, and you are activating the primal part of the brain that either gets aggressive mm-hmm. or frightened. I get you. That's its two things it does. Um, fear and um, fighting. So when you do that, you're constantly activating that part of the brain, not the relationship part of the brain and not the creative, just thinking, logical part of the brain either. So if you do it a lot, you're going to be living in that place all the time and it's very difficult to escape from. You're building a prison that you will struggle to escape from one day. And surely that cannot be good for stress hormones this and, is, and that's, what have you. that's where stress originates from that's a it's a panic response so why do you think people are negative surely you wouldn't choose to be negative if you could help it i think there's a few reasons so um a lot of people have had very negative parents mm. um it was it was fairly typical a couple of generations ago for parents to think that controlling children was the priority as opposed to encouraging them 
And the best way to control people is to frighten them, uh-huh. is to upset them, to make them feel bad about themselves so they are docile and easy to control. And mm. a lot of parents use criticism and negativity to control their children instead of encouraging them. So that's a big one. So the fear would be, if you do this, this is going to happen. Yes, that's um, right. I won't you, like you. Okay, and, and you know, you're just not going to be able to do that. And this is, a, mm. And that... If you're getting it every day for mm. years and years, it's yeah. going to take effect. Yeah. I mean, if, if people leave home around about 16 to 18, if you've had 16 years of mm. someone criticizing, complaining about you and other things, um, that's very hard to escape from. And that was the problem that this lady had in the class. She admitted later on that her, her mother in particular criticized her all the time. Mm. And in her head was her mother's voice criticizing her all the oh, that's time. Awful. It's horrifically sad. And this lady is in her 60s. So I'm telling 60 years this woman ridiculous, has been it? a victim of her mother's attempt to control her by negativity. Why would other people be negative? Obviously, if you're, if you're prone to it, but also people use negativity maybe for other reasons. You know, I kind of a minor minor way of looking at it but when somebody says you know oh you're wearing something nice or you're complimented a lot of people can say oh no just this or or is it what's the other reasons that we're negative one of them that I've noticed is particularly common with adolescents is to avoid disappointment so when you're an adolescent it's really important to you how other people see you I mean it's important all the time but we're hypersensitive when we're teenagers to other how other people judge us whether we're a success or a failure. And I've noticed a lot of teenagers in particular um, move to being negative or what more specifically I would call an expectation of failure in order to avoid disappointment. I, it's going to go crap, so I'm not going to do it anyway, and so I won't fail, and so I won't be embarrassed, and I won't be disappointed. Uh-huh. You don't get embarrassed because you say, well, it's rubbish anyway. So I won't even bother. I don't Fine. care. Uh-huh. Who's that lady on television who has red hair? And she used to play a teenager in a oh, comedy. Yes. You know the lady. Yes. And she's like, do I care? Do I yeah. care? Yeah. Do I care? She I did, don't care. I don't yeah. care. That's yeah, right. like Kevin and... Yeah, and you know exactly that. It'll, come to you. it'll come to me. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. And she's nailed what teenagers are doing to avoid to look strong because, in fact, they're very vulnerable and they they do Cover have hopes. They Aww. do have hopes, but other people are going to make fun of them if their hopes don't come true. So they avoid being positive and optimistic. They go to being negative and pessimistic in order to not look silly. But it's that thing of kind of being negative to the nth degree you know you can be negative but when it's it's almost I don't know projected all the time as well, well. it's exaggerated, exaggerated. It? it's like it's like amputating your hand in order because just because you've broken a nail yeah like yes you're going to be disappointed in stuff but you're going to build a negative mindset a negative brain a negative life just because you don't want to be a little bit embarrassed and disappointed I would recommend co- learning how to handle disappointment rather than going, I'm going to wire my brain for yeah. negativity <laughs> just so some random girl at school doesn't think less of me because I'm optimistic. Isn't it crazy? I think it's probably worth looking at maybe competitive athletes or somebody like that mm. to how they can have the positive mental attitude. But many times they will not win the race, mm. or they, but they pick themselves yes. up. I mean, that's a difficult balance. You've nailed it. That is exactly it. Look at that, that these people are competing at the highest level. There's thousands of people watching them in arenas. There's television programs. They're going, I'm going to win, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. Mm. And they don't. Most of them don't. Think about it. Yeah. If there's 10 people in a race, nine don't win. 
and and they don't cope by going, oh, I won't win. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> they cope by going, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because they know there's a greater chance of winning if they think that they might or they can. There's a pretty good chance of losing if you keep thinking you won't. It's, it's hard though, isn't it? Because we hear a lot coming over from America and saying, you know, have a positive mental attitude, PMA, PMA. Mm. It's, that's tough if you've not got things going the right way in your life. You know, a lot of people have issues. A lot yeah. of people are ill. A lot of people um, have financial problems, relationship issues. Sometimes positivity is just not that easy. Uh, look, and I'm, if you can't get to positivity, I'm going to give you the one thing you can do. Shut up. Oh, right. Okay. Thanks very much, Valerie. You can shut (laughs) up with the negativity. Mm. If you've got, um, if you've got a boat and you start bailing water into it, it will eventually sink, right? Yeah. So the least you could do is stop bailing water into your boat. So think of positivity as bailing water out. But if you keep bailing water in and then out and then in and then out, you're not going to get anywhere. The least you can do is stop filling your boat with water. At least it's stable then. So shush, shush, shush. Stop saying things about yourself that aren't productive. Now that, I love that. I think that analogy is brilliant about the, the boat and the water. That's easy for me to get my head around. What about people who you have in your life that can be negative towards you or have a negative effect. You know, we all have that friend that you, you speak to on the phone and it's negative, negative, mm, negative. Mm. And you come off the phone and you think, oh God, that's really drained me. Yeah. How do you kind of help them to see what they're doing? Mm. Uh, what I'm going to... Uh, look, I, as I said earlier on, uh, my family love to be negative. And I kind of grew up assuming that it was normal, not in a very conscious way, just thinking that that was the way people are. Mm. And I... Did you find that a lot of... Talking about my friend, sorry to inter- interrupt, but yeah. when my friend sometimes phones and it's negative, 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 you think, oh God, that's quite draining. I want to be there to support you. Mm. But also now you've kind of brought me down on my mood. Um, I made me kind of add into the negative pot. How do I kind of say to them listen actually I, I see where you're coming from I see what your problem is but there is people dying in, in Africa, Africa with nothing yeah that's right you know yeah. so you're going to be okay how do I do that in a kind way yeah. and also kind of guide them so that the negativity is not always forefront of our conversations absolutely well that because of my childhood I w- would complain a lot as well and uh, I had a I have a very particular friend back in Australia who had a very similar childhood so we would often slide into a conversation where we were very sympathetic to each other and talking about the problems that we had as a consequence of this. So I noticed this and instead of saying, let's not do this, because I have empathy for her, I have compassion for her and I have compassion for myself. It was genuinely hard. People's problems are genuine and true, but talking about them exclusively was not was not constructive it wasn't actually helping us so I said to her one day shall we make sure each time we talk we find something good in our week something good that happened and she Uh went I love that idea I Uh love that idea oh good and and we made a point of doing that we each time we talked you can have a moan have a bit of a complaint genuine problems to talk through not a problem with that but we made a point of trying to find something in our week to say that had gone well and this This took probably about a year until I noticed that our conversations were now almost exclusively positive. 
they'd completely shifted from being mostly negative to now being mostly positive. That, I like that tip. So when we're talking, I'll say, you know, what what can we try and talk about within this conversation that's positive, that's happened today or this week? Yeah, did, anything, end good on a good ha- note? did anything good happen in your week? I mean, mm-hmm. you can either make it explicit or implicit. So if you say to someone, oh, did anything good happen in your week? That's that's implicit. You're implying you'd like to hear something positive. I would encourage people to go a little step further and make it explicit to say, hey, Sheila, um, why don't we make a point? Why don't we try to make a point of making sure we talk about at least one thing in our conversation that's going well this week? Mm, nice. Make it a little bit more obvious. And if they get the hump, which yes. they inevitably <laughs> sometimes do, and say, hold on, you don't, you're saying like you don't care about me, or are you listening mm. to what I'm saying? Mm. What do you say to that? I say, I care enough about you to want to hear what's going well in your life. Okay. I care about your problems enough to listen to them, but I care more because I want to hear the solutions uh-huh. to them. It's not caring to listen to you struggle for the rest of forever. What's caring is to hear about you solving the problem and what we can do to make it better. How can I help to rectify the situation? Yes. Okay, I and like it. And that includes it. talking about successes. We, you learn something from your successes. Is there anything that we could say to our listeners and to ourselves um, that you can do to get yourself in a better mental attitude, a little bit less negativity? You know, okay, maybe not mantras in the morning and things like that, but how do we kind of shift from the negativity all the time? Um, Is it being grateful? Uh, You know, there's a lot of chat about gratefulness Mm. these days and and coming from a grateful heart and things like that. Look, and and that goes back to what I was saying about the brain. In the same way that negativity triggers the primal brain, it triggers the fight-flight response, it triggers the upset brain, then... uh, I don't like the word positivity. Optimism, focusing on successes, um, gratitude, as you say, triggers a different part of the brain. So it triggers the frontal lobes of the brain. This is the bit right behind your very own forehead. So when you start thinking about, well, look, I've got running water. Hot water comes out of my shower each morning. I have electricity. Um, I'm not sick. I... When I go to the supermarket, there's plenty of food for me to eat. These are all things other people in the world don't have. There's plenty of people in the world without electricity, without hot water or any water and without food. And I I mean, I'm not, it's funny though, isn't it? It's kind of when you hear a lot of people that have traveled a lot to places where there's not all the things that we have, Mm. they're actually more positive. Absolutely. It's a lesson in itself, really. So I think number one, put things in perspective. Perspective. That that, um, there are plenty of people without the, the luxuries that you have, the fundamentals that you have, that you take for granted. Two, focus on those. Choose to focus on those. So, um, what I do in the evening, sometimes as I, just as I'm going to sleep, is review my day for successes. Right. Okay. Review my day for successes. So mm. um, it might be oh, I got to the gym in really quick time. I stayed a little bit longer at the gym than than I'd anticipated. I went at all. Like you know, I'm not a big yeah, fan of exercise. Completely. So the fact that I went at all, I drank plenty of water today. We're not. Ta- you don't have to have launched a multi-million dollar company. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about as many tiny successes as you can list in your day. So even just waking up <laughs> and, yeah. and getting on 
on with your day. Yeah, you know, absolutely. routine, as you say. Yeah, I think someone provoked me and I didn't bite. Uh-huh. I, I, I let that person go in front of me in the traffic. You're allowed to count the tiniest, tiniest, tiniest little success that you can find throughout the day. And any tiny little success counts on your list. And I'm telling you, if you do that for a month, it will change your life. Mm. I'm not kidding. So put it in perspective. I say compare yourself well to others who don't have the luxuries, what they would consider a luxury Mm. that we consider a fundamental. Be grateful. Focus on what you do have. List your successes through the day. Make explicit with friends that you intend to talk about successes and achievements and the good things that have happened. And also, it's kind of sense check yourself, as you said earlier, before you say something negative. Shush. Just try not to. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. Because it's, you can stop. it's the effect it has on other people. Don't get me wrong. Oh, everybody likes a moan. Yeah. Traffic was awful. Yeah. This person wasn't effing this, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's not Whatever. the same as saying, but oh, I'm different. stupid. Or I'm a failure. I'll never get this. I'm, I'm rubbish at this. They're just not even true. Mm. Like, it took me twice as long to get home in the traffic. That's a fact. It's frustrating. Talk about it in order to relieve the tension and move on. But saying I'm dumb, I'm stupid, I'm rubbish at this, that's actually just not true. But is that the same thing as being negative? It's being negative about yourself. Mm. But is that also something to do with self-esteem? Um, or does it, is it separate? Yeah, I suppose that it's how, you, how you're articulating it. So self-esteem is another thing worth defining so esteem is your estimate of something esteem and estimate come from the same word to to measure the amount of something right so how do I esteem myself how do I estimate myself well I'm very good at this I'm not quite so good at that I'm excellent at this um so self-esteem is a sort of global measure of how well you think of yourself. If, if there's a, you know if there's 10 out of 10 um where do I rank myself and mm. some people rank themselves very very low and it's not constructive it's it's a luxury you can't afford again what it does is again trigger that part of the brain that is is fight and flight some people they become very aggressive some people get very fearful um because they don't feel good about themselves i think as well though sometimes people will say maybe a two out of ten for looks but maybe inside they think they're a bit higher because you like you said earlier you Mm. don't want to sound sort of boastful or big-headed and I well this is the thing don't you don't you I don't know over here we don't seem to want to feel like that yeah I is that, I, I think that's thing. actually a social control issue it definitely is I, I don't see that there is anything fundamentally wrong with thinking well of yourself mm. I really like the company of people who think well of themselves who um, say, well, I'm proud of myself. I finished university. It was very, very hard and I'm proud of myself. Mm. I, I put a, together a beautiful outfit today. I'm a great mother. I'm really patient and kind with my with my children in a way that wasn't given to me. Um, I speak French beautifully. Like I like really challenge this idea. What is so fundamentally wrong with thinking well of yourself? Because I think, I suppose people will say you're arrogant um, and I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but they will. They'll say, oh, that person's so arrogant. God, talking about themselves like they're this and they're that. Mm. You know, it's just... But it comes, it comes from a benchmark that you should think poorly of yourself. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it, really? I think that there's a confusion between thinking well of yourself and thinking you're better than others. 
Like, I can think well of myself, exclusive of others. It's not a comment on others. I'm very clever at this. I'm a, like, I'm a, I'm a great artist. I'm really good at drawing and painting. That is, there is no comment inherent in that on other people's That's work. That's true. Yeah. This is a comment that about me, affect other for people. me. It's nothing to do with other people. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not making me think I'm better, more worthy, more deserving of favours than others. Um, it's an accurate description of the truth and it makes me feel good about myself and it makes me more likely to succeed. I think it's just such an inherent social thing that we, we just, people seeing that sort of stuff, it's just looked upon as, well, why, why are they doing that? You know, I suppose it's, you're encouraged like you were when you were younger, modesty, isn't it? You're encouraged to be, mod- be modest, be modest. And, and that comes from like by the Bible and what have you, doesn't it? I think a lot of it's, it's, an, it's an old be religious humble. idea. Yeah. That, that if you, if in, order, in the same way that parents use negativity to control children, if children are frightened and f- don't feel good about themselves, they're far easier to control. I, th- I think there's a long history of governments and religion making people, encouraging people to make feeling bad about themselves a virtue because ver- people who think that feeling bad about yourself is a virtue are easier to control. They're easier to tell what to do. Mm, interesting. And, and if anybody's been in an, in an abusive relationship, there it is really explicitly really laid clear. out. Yeah. That somebody who wants to control you will work hard on making you feel bad about yourself, on making you feel frightened and intimidated and that you don't know what you're doing, you're stupid, you're ugly, you're no good, you've, you know, your esteem, they estimate you low. So, because that makes you easier to control, easier mm. to tell what to do. More malleable, for so sure. So it's, it's parental, it's interpersonal in romantic relationships, um, it's socio-political with organisations making people feel that way. It's It's... People wanting you to feel bad about yourself is typically to make you feel more docile so they can control you. Always ask the question, why does this person want me to feel bad about myself? Mm. And why is this person not trying to uplift me? Exactly. You know, and that's the key I think I'm going to take from this. When I speak to my friend next, it's going to be, what's happened that's really good today? Or how can we fix this problem? I think you have a solution for that. Yeah, love it. Thank you so much, Valerie wonderful you're welcome um next week we're not sure yet what we'll talk about next week oh i don't know we could always ask the lovely listeners oh yes please (laughs) that's a great idea actually if you have anything that you would like us to focus on obviously valerie is a qualified very highly qualified um relationship counselor um or therapist specializing in relationship um and also it'd be nice just to know if there's anything that we can help with you know any issues that you have obviously completely anonymous um if you email us in at studio at brooklandsradio.co.uk we'd love to hear from you and listen out for us we will be on air again on monday yes monday evening so definitely definitely ask us questions even Mm. if it's not about you personally something you're curious about something in the news absolutely we'd love to hear from you thanks so much valerie lots of food for thought for me especially um today thank you for that you're welcome no negativity please no Lifeology with Susie Mack and Valerie Ellis. Therapist specializing in relationship counseling. More at veryvalerieellis.com.